Hello, Praise Community Church. This weekend, we would have been celebrating Palm Sunday if we were able to meet together as a church. So I just want to acknowledge again as you're watching this that this is the beginning of what we would typically call Holy Week, uh, Palm Sunday. And you may remember that's where Jesus uh, rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and people were laying their coats and palm branches down on the road and shouting Hosanna, Hosanna. Um, and they were waving palm branches, a time of celebration uh, there, not knowing uh, what was coming uh, in that week, which would involve Jesus's crucifixion as well as his resurrection from the dead. And so again, they would cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So I just want to just acknowledge that. And again, as we just walk through this week of Holy Week, again, we just uh, thank God because again, blessed is, is Jesus uh, who came in the name of the Lord and brought eternal life, brought eternal words uh, to us. So just good to have you here. Just want to just again remind you that with the extension of the shelter in place or the uh, extension uh, of the social distancing that we will not be probably having services throughout the month of April, which again will include uh, Easter uh, a week from uh, Sunday. Uh, so again, we just want to kind of remind you, we'll continue to bring you videotaped messages as a way of just again communicating, encouraging you in your walk uh, with the Lord. Also want to just thank those of you who have been uh, dropping by, mailing in uh, your tithes, your offering. Those of you who have been doing that online, we again are just profoundly grateful uh, that you're continuing uh, to remember uh, the church in your giving. We know for some of you, uh, this is a very, very difficult time and maybe you're not in a position to give and we completely understand that we pray for you. We just pray God's provision, blessing over each one of you. But again, we want to just uh, thank those of you who have been giving, uh, encourage you just to continue doing that as God enables you uh, to do that. You can just again mail those here to the church. You can drop them by, slide it in the mail slot outside the building. You can give online and Callie will provide some information there on the screen to kind of help you if you're interested in doing that uh, online. A couple of weeks ago, I think when this all kind of started and really started to affect uh, things here with the coronavirus in the United States, um, I'm sure for many of you, our thoughts really kind of uh, at one point really turned to Psalm 91. And I want to just uh, take some time and I want to just really focus today on uh, Psalm 91 verse 1. And there it just gives this amazing promise. And I kind of want to just take some time this morning to unpack that a little bit for you. And in the New King James Version, it just simply says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. And again, that's that Hebrew word, Elyon. He who dwells in the secret place of Elyon shall abide under the shadow of Shaddai. And, and that's our word, Almighty. So he who dwells in the secret place of Elyon shall abide under the shadow of Shaddai. Now, I just want to take a moment and I want to just kind of unpack this because as Janie and I were kind of reflecting and, and looking at this psalm a couple of weeks ago, there kind of just came this question 
in our minds that we know there are people, believers, uh, who would believe Psalm 91, would, would speak that over their circumstance, and yet would be people who would maybe suffer or die from the coronavirus or from other diseases they believed they were being protected from. And so it kind of just launched us into just kind of really talking about, you know, what happens when, when people believe this and this really doesn't uh, come to fruition in their own personal lives. And I wish I had an easy answer for you. I don't. Um, but the one thing that as I really kind of prayed and, and just brought this before the Lord was just really, again, focusing on that word dwells. Uh, again, it's very, very specific. He who dwells. And that word means, it means to abide. It, it means to inhabit. It means to continue, to remain in place, to sit, to tarry, uh, to stay, to settle in. And I kind of began to think about that, you know, and I began to think about just even in my own walk, where there are times I don't dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I mean, I, I occasionally maybe visit there. I maybe come to that secret place when I have a, a, a need or there's something big going on or I'm in a crisis. Then I may run into that secret place. And then once God delivers me or once God answers my cry for help or once God helps me uh, in my situation, then I may just kind of leave that secret place. And so it really kind of got me to really think about, you know, do I dwell in the secret place of the Most High? I mean, do I really remain there? Is there a continuous dwelling for me? Or is it just kind of an in and out kind of thing? Is it just a casual kind of, I'm here because I need your help, and once I've gotten your help, I leave again? And, and I'm not saying that, that to put any uh, guilt or condemnation on anyone. It just really kind of was a, a point where I just really started looking at my own relationship uh, to this particular scripture. You know, Jesus talked about this even in, you know, John uh, chapter 15, verse 4. And again, he kind of uses similar language there uh, to what we find in Psalm 91.1. And again, Jesus uses the word abide, uh, which again is a word meaning to dwell. And he says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now again, that word abide that Jesus uses there, it has a similar meaning to the word dwell there in Psalm 91.1. And that word abide, it means not to depart, to continue to be present to me, it is the ultimate shelter-in-place order. And we're familiar with that language, are we not? We've heard that terminology, that phrase, throughout this coronavirus uh, pandemic. People are being ordered to shelter in place. And this is the idea of what Jesus has in mind when he used that word abide. It's the idea that the psalmist had when he used that word dwell in Psalm 91.1. And again, if we only come to him uh, in times of trouble, pain, and difficulty, and then once it's over, once we're delivered, once the crisis is passed, we kind of just go back to living our lives apart from God. That is not abiding. That is not 
dwelling in the way that Jesus or the psalmist um, was conveying to us. Uh, again, so I really kind of thought about that, that word dwelling, abiding. Where am I in relation to my walk with God? Am I an abider or am I just an occasional visitor? The other thing that I really kind of thought and, and meditated upon was this whole concept of uh, the secret place. He who dwells in the secret place. And I really kind of began to think about what is the secret place? Where is the secret place? And I really came to discover that our Heavenly Father is in the secret place. That is where he dwells. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, listen to this. He says, but you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door. Now, now here's what he says. Pray to your father who is in the secret place. So when you and I, when we pray, when we go into that, uh, our, our room, when we kind of get alone with the Father and we begin to pray, what we discover is we are immediately transported into that secret place where our Heavenly Father uh, is. Uh, so he says, pray to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Um, so as I, I really kind of began to think about um, that secret place. And I remembered a scripture in, in Psalm 137, and it kind of reminded me, and, and I came to realize that I was created in the secret place. I started my life in the secret place. Listen to what uh, Psalm 137 verse 15 says, and this is out of the Passion Translation. Um, and, and here he writes, he says, you even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. I was created. I began life in the secret place with my heavenly father. You and I, we started life, every one of us, whether you're a believer or not, every one of us started, we began our life. That when, when, when fertilization happened in, in the womb of our mother, uh, we were in the secret place with our heavenly father. We were created in the secret place to remain to abide, to continue in the secret place with our Heavenly Father throughout our whole lives. And again, when we dwell, when we continuously remain in the secret place of the Most High, there comes a promise. And again, that's our part. That's what we're called to do. We're called to dwell, to continuously remain in that secret place of the Most High. And then here's God's part. Here's the promise we will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now again, I, I, I notice the order. Uh, first comes when we dwell, and then we abide. Uh, so again, there's our part, and when we do our part, there's God's part, and God does his part. I want to just take a moment, because uh, this is just extremely fascinating to me. This phrase, under the shadow, of the Almighty that the psalmist uses there is a very, very interesting 
and a largely unknown concept uh, that goes clear back into the Old Testament rules, um, the commands of hospitality. Now, I want to just tell you right up front, this kind of hospitality that they extended in Old Testament times, in the times that David wrote this psalm, uh, is so radical compared to our Western culture mindset, our practices of hospitality. Um, and, and again, it, it is so radical that as, as I explain this to you, we're going we're gonna to have trouble understanding this. We're going to have trouble wrapping our minds around this. But to really understand what God is saying to us in Psalm 91.1 when he talks about that, that uh, coming under the shadow of the Almighty, when, when we understand this, it will give us some insight into how God looks at the promises that are contained there throughout Psalm 91. Now, the, the Old Testament concept of hospitality was simply this. If you were living out in the desert somewhere, you were living in, in a village, and there was a stranger who was, was on a journey, and they would happen to come into your village, or they would happen to come upon your tent there in, in the desert, and they would be coming to you seeking shelter, your responsibility or the laws of hospitality in that time is that, first of all, you would see that visitor as someone that was sent to you from God. So this was not something that you took lightly or you took casually. If that person ended up on your doorstep, you took it as if this person was, was divinely directed to your home, to your doorstep, um, and not somebody else's. So you took it very, very uh, seriously, and you really felt like God was obligating you to do something about this person, this stranger who has ended up on your doorstep. And so as you would begin to take this person and bring them uh, into your home and to begin to extend to them this hospitality, what you would be saying to this stranger and what you would be extending to them is, is that whatever food I have in my house is yours. As a matter of fact, the rules of hospitality would simply state to this stranger that even if there's only enough food for you, you will be fed first before me, before my family. You will come first. And if all the food we have is only enough for you, my family and I, we will go hungry, uh, but we will make sure that you are fed. If all we have to drink is just what you would need and we wouldn't get anything, our commitment to you in hospitality is even though we would go thirsty, you will be provided for. If there was only one bed in the house, you would simply say to this stranger, we will all sleep on the floor. You uh, shall have um, the bed. So it, this, this rule of hospitality simply said, by taking you into our home, we are extending hospitality that says to you that even though we may get nothing, um, you, we will provide for your every need. Um, and so uh, this was this concept of 
um, bringing them under the shadow of your roof. That, that, was the, that was the concept. That was the phrase. You were taking this stranger and you were bringing them under the shadow of your roof. Now, if there was an enemy that was in pursuit of this stranger, okay, there, there's somebody that is coming after them. By bringing them under the sh shadow of your roof, you are now committing to protecting them at all costs. Even if it would cost you your life, the life of your family, you are committed to doing everything you can to protect and to preserve the life of this complete stranger. Again, this is so radical. This goes beyond anything we would ever understand or extend in terms of hospitality in our Western culture today. And again, this was the concept. This was what you were committing to do for someone when you brought them under the shadow of your roof. Now, let me just give you an example in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, because you know, chances are you've read this, and this just seems like just an absolutely unthinkable idea to you. And it involves Lot, who is in Sodom. And you may remember that God has decided to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he sends two angelic visitors, um, and they go to Lot, um, and they're warning Lot that you need to get you and your family out of here because we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so you may remember uh, Lot takes them into his home. Um, the men uh, who the Bible describes as were, were men that were given over to the sin of homosexuality see that the two men uh, in, in, are taken into Lot's home and they go to Lot's home and they demand that Lot bring the two men out so that they can have their way with these men. And so I want you to hear uh, in, in, in Genesis 19, uh, verse 8, I want you to hear Lot's response to them. And, and this is Lot's uh, response to these uh, men wanting him to bring uh, these two angelic visitors out. He says, see now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish, only do nothing to these men. Now hear this, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. This is radical. What Lot's saying is, because I have taken these men under the shadow of my roof, I am committed to protecting them at all costs. As a matter of fact, I am committed to protecting them that I am even willing to sacrifice my daughters in order to uphold my responsibility of hospitality to these men because I brought them under the shadow of my roof. I'm even willing to give up my own life if that's what it takes to protect these men. Again, this is radical hospitality. It is completely foreign to how we even think in our Western culture. As a matter of fact, we can't even wrap our minds around this kind of a concept. Interestingly, as I was really thinking about this, I remembered uh, reading a book some time ago, 
and remembering there are still pockets in our world that still think and act uh, in this way when it comes to um, hospitality. A while back, maybe a couple of years ago, I had read the book by Marcus Luttrell called Lone Survivor. And I don't know if you're familiar with his story, if you've read the book or seen the movie. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a just phenomenal story. And it's about uh, Marcus and three other Navy SEALs that were in uh, Afghanistan, I believe it was. Uh, and they were there uh, trying to take out um, elements of the... Uh, um, of the enemy uh, that were trying to, that had attacked us during the 9/11, um, and so they are, they come under fire uh, from other Taliban people, uh, Taliban men, and it becomes a firefight where it's it's four U.S. Navy SEALs, um, and they averaged the uh, enemy to be like 50 to one. There's 50 Taliban. Uh, firing coming after them for every one of them. And in the story, uh, the three uh, other soldiers are killed by the Taliban and they're coming after Marcus Luttrell and, and he's fighting with everything in him uh, to try to survive this. And he is wounded. Uh, he's in just horrible shape. At, at a part in the story, he ends up being found by some Pashtun villagers. He doesn't know these men, for all he knows. They're kind of part of the Taliban. And um, he comes to understand this concept in this Pashtun village, and it's called Loke Warkawal. And I'll have Callie put that word up on the screen. Uh, it, it's something that maybe you might want to Google and do some uh, further looking at. It's just, again, a very, very interesting concept, and, and it's something that's still in effect um, to today. So I want to just, I'm going to read to you just uh, a part of Marcus Luttrell's book where he kind of comes to uh, really discover what this meant. Um, and so, again, he is found by these villagers. Uh, one of the men is that, that found him is, is the leading elder uh, of the village. And so he's just lying there on the ground, bleeding to death, literally. And, and, and this is what he writes. He says, and yet there was something I did not know. We're talking Loki Warkal. And he says, it's an unbending section of historic Pashtun tribal law as laid out in the hospitality section. The literal translation of Loki Warkal is giving of a pot. He says, right here, I'm lying on the ground bleeding to death, and these tribesmen are standing around me deciding my fate. To an American, especially one in such terrible shape as I was, the concept of helping a wounded, possibly dying man is pretty routine. You do what you can. For these Pashtun villagers, the concept carried many onerous responsibilities. Loke means not only providing care and shelter, it means an unbreakable commitment to defend the wounded man even to death. And not just the death of the principal tribesmen or family who made the original commitment for the giving of the pot, it means the whole 
village. Loke means the population of that village is committed to fighting to the last man, honor bound to protect the individual they have invited to share in their hospitality. And this is not something to have a casual chit chat about when things get rough. It's not a point of negotiation. This is strictly non-negotiable. So while I was lying there thinking they were just going to leave me out here and let me die, they were in fact discussing a much bigger life or death issue. And the lives they were concerned were had nothing to do with mine. What they were talking about, what they were deciding was loke, spelled with capital L. For all I knew, they were standing around me talking about whether to put a bullet through my head and save everybody else in the village a lot of trouble. By now I was drifting off, half asleep, half alert, and the distinction was minimal. At some point they lifted me up, and slowly we began to head down to the village. I did not understand, not then, but this was the biggest break I had had since the battle first started. These friendly Pashtun tribesmen had decided to grant me loke. They were committed to defend me against the Taliban until there was no one left alive. In other words, these men had taken Marcus Luttrell under the shadow of their roof. Do you understand what the psalmist was saying to you and I? When, again, that promise, we who dwell in the shelter of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Like Marcus, he didn't understand that concept of Loki. He didn't understand that concept of being taken under the shadow of these men's roofs. And many of us do not understand the implication the hospitality that God is extending to us when we choose to dwell, to abide, to continuously stay, to hunker down, to shelter in place. You read the rest of Psalm 91 and God is saying to you, I will protect you. I will protect you even if it costs me my life. And it did cost Jesus his life. God was willing to lay down the life of his son to protect you and I, to redeem us, to, to, to save us. And if God was willing to do that, again, Psalm 91.1, it, it is his promise of what he is going to do for you and I when we come under the shadow of his roof. God does not take this lightly. This is radical hospitality that God has extended to you and to me. I would encourage you today, if you've not done this, or maybe you've done this, go back, read Psalm 91 with the understanding of what this means to come under the shadow of the Almighty. I promise you, it will change your perspective, especially in the midst of this pandemic it will, it, will, it will change the way you see God and understand God's hospitality, his kindness, his goodness to you and me in this. 
Man, when I begin to understand this and the extent that God has gone to in his hospitality and his caring for me, it makes me want to dwell, to hunker down, to shelter in place uh, with, with him in that secret place, in that shadow uh, of the Almighty. So I just pray that this is, uh, blessed, has blessed you as much as it uh, has blessed me. And I, I just pray that you will find a great comfort uh, in this promise there of Psalm 91.1. Let me just pray for you. Father, again, we just thank you for that promise, Father, when we will just dwell in that secret place where you are. That, Father, you will bring us under the shadow of the Almighty, the shadow of Shaddai. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would just move our hearts, God, in such a way, God, that, that we would want to just dwell continuously. That, God, we would come into that secret place and never want to leave. Because in that secret place, under the shadow of the Almighty, we have discovered how good, how kind, how merciful, how gracious, how beautiful, how faithful you are. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just move in our hearts today. That, God, you again would just continue to reveal yourself to us. And in that revelation, Father, that our hearts would just come alive, Father. That we would just see you for who you are. That, Father, we would worship you Father, that we again would just give you honor and glory and praise for who you are and for all that you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Hey, praise family. I just wanted to come and talk for a little bit about a few things um, that were on my heart this week and especially after hearing Jeff's message about uh, Psalm 91 and just being in that shelter of the Almighty. Um, from about 2015 to 2017, Psalm 91 was like this huge thing for, for me personally, but I think also for the worship team as well at that time. And we were writing songs out of Psalm 91 um, together and I, I will be sharing a song, one of those songs that we wrote in that time, but I wanna first share what um, what birthed it, the moment I had with the Lord, an encounter with the Lord that really brought me to this place of understanding God as the God who makes a shadow, that he's the shadow maker. Um, that was a term I'd never heard in the Bible um, specifically, and I didn't understand it. And so when it came to me from God, it really felt super powerful. So I'm just going to read to you. This was back um, three years ago in 2017, actually in April, <clears throat> and I'd been in a um, new prayer with the River City House of Prayer when um, in the midst of all the worship, the Lord just really downloaded this word to me, and I could barely keep up <laughs> writing what he was saying in my heart. Um, so I'm just going to read a little bit from that and then share the song with you. And I, I guess I think the reason I'm sharing it with you now is I feel like he's He's breathing on this again right now. Um, I haven't really thought about this word in a long time. I haven't thought about this song so much. Um, it's something that occasionally will come to me and I'll sing it and I, I'm living it, but, but it doesn't necessarily come and feel like this is a now song or a now word. 
And so right now I just feel like um, this is something that the Lord's breathing again on to us in this time during our restrictions and the quarantine and the crisis and just this, this place where we can feel really lost in the midst of a storm. But God has a plan and he's been, um, he's been planning for this for a long time, which I think is why this is so evident. This is three years ago that he dropped this word into my heart and this song that, that's been um, playing over and over again in my spirit. And now it's coming to fruition. Now it's coming to a place where it really makes more sense to me. As I hear the lyrics again and I sing it, I think, wow, this, is, this has never been more um, appropriate than right now. So here's what the Lord was saying. And um, he said first, can you hear the sound of Zion crying? It's time to dust off the tools I gave you so long ago. They've fallen between the cracks and have gone forgotten. But they are gifts from me, hidden beneath the fancier things, the bigger things. Dust them off. Use them in my glory, says the Lord. He said, there's food enough. There's good enough. There's glory enough. There's energy enough. There's good use for the little things. They make more noise in my kingdom than you can imagine. Look beneath the flashy things and see down deep where I have hidden treasures deep inside you. It seems dusty and dark beneath the floorboards of life's big items. Though light doesn't fall evenly on these deep things, you will find great treasures in my gifts of your youth. Find what I have hidden deep inside your life from the beginning of you. Find what I have hidden deep inside of you from the beginning of you. These things have been meant to be hidden until this time, but now, now it's time to dust off the old, the hidden, the small things that can't be taken away from you. They are innately a part of you because I have deposited them as such. What you have considered to just be your personality or character traits, I have actually given to you as a tool to be used in my kingdom. But are you willing to dust them off and bring them to the light? Are you ready to let others see where I've hidden you in the depths of my shadow and my shadow that is within you? That's why it's a darker area. It's my shadow. I am the great I am. I am the shadow maker. I am light. Come up under my wings again. Never leave. I have placed my shadow over you and within you. Come into this shadow and steal away what I have stored here. It is time. And so from that, I spent time with him and he just told me lots about you know, who I am, what those things are, those little tools, those treasures that he's hidden within me. And I, I really just want to encourage you to do the same with the Lord this, this week as you, um, as we go into this week where um, Easter is coming and we don't get to be together, but we do get to be with Jesus. And let him just sit with you and tell you all the things that he's hidden deep within you that he wants to bring to light in this time. Um, as you, These are places where he's put his shadow and his protection over you to, to keep these things uh, precious, because they're precious to him. All those little things about you personally that he put in you are precious to him. They're treasures. And so um, after he kind of showed me all those things about who I really am to him, he then said, now waste it all at my feet in worship. And so from, from that and from Psalm 91 and just reading Psalm 91 4 where it says, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. This is, this is where this song was birthed called Shadow Maker. And um, 
I'm just gonna I'm gonna play it and I'm I'm gonna put the lyrics up on the on the screen so you can understand the words and kind of just breathe in this 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 word that I think the Lord's releasing right now. Um, that He is our shelter and He's our refuge and that we can run to Him. But even though the one who makes light has a shadow that He He covers us from the enemy so the enemy cannot see us. And these things, this is who we are. We're his children in his protection through all of this stuff that's going on. And I think now is the time, more than any time ever, that we understand that, that we are completely hidden and protected under his wing.
we thank you. We thank you that you cover us with your shadow. You cover us with your wings. And Lord, you do that in so many ways and so many, so many beautiful people that come alongside us that are your opinions, that wrap around us. But God, in this time where we were not allowed to be near others, Lord, would we just draw near to you? Would we find you truly to be our shadow maker? the one that has covered us and protected us and is our, our pure refuge. Lord, wherever we have fear, we just give it to you. God, we surrender it at your feet. Lord, where we have concern and worry, God, we give it to you. And we thank you. We thank you that you are mightier than all of this. You're bigger than all of this. And that you have deposited within us treasures that you want to grow and, and to come out of us in a new way to be brought into the light, to this kingdom of, of yours, God, that you would use and partner with us in these ways. Lord, help us to see, reveal new, new insight into who we are in you, who, we're, who we've always been in you. We love you, God, and we thank you that you have known us from before time, and that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us and it's not a small thing. It is a big thing. It is important to you. So I just thank you, God. I ask that you bless this church family of ours. That we would stay connected, even in the distance. That we would stay united in your spirit through it all. We love you, God. In your son's name, amen.